Hi, this is Kenny. And this is Mark. And this is All I Want to Do is Talk About Madonna. Album 9, track 2. Swim. After the catharsis and, and revelation of Drowned World, we kind of settle into a, a, a mellow groove and go deep sea diving yes. into the ocean. A perfect um, transition from This Is My Religion, we have the guitar comes in really quiet, mm-hmm. sort of as if it's just kind of finding its way, and then it finds a little riff, Yep, and we're often off and going, and, and she comes right in. Yeah. Swim is a song that, um, uh, uh, another song where um, she's tackling big issues, a big world problem, and what's happening in the world um, in this way that feels very um, specific and yet abstract at the same time. Because I don't know what crashing into the ocean floor has to do with all the problems in the world. <laughs> um, That's my big question about it. I'm like, what is, what, what, how are they connected? Well, she says, I want to crash through the ocean floor so we can begin again, wash away all of our sins, crash to the ocean floor. She's like, a way to start over. Like, let's let's go back to the core and let's come rise again. Like, let's recreate. I mean, she, I think she's using it as that idea. Like, let's just all, in a way, like a Noah's Ark reference in a way. Ah, like, you know, okay. Like, like, we need to sort of clear everything in order to um, find clarity again. Oh, I like that. There's lore about this song, or I guess it is not lore, it's the truth, that right before um, they recorded, she had gotten a phone call from Donatella Versace that... Gianni had died. Yeah. I was just at the Versace mansion a couple weeks ago. I always, whenever I'm in South South Beach, I always stop by that. uh, I I did it when I first went to Miami the first time, Um, and and they still owned the, the mansion at that time. And um, but I always go by it. It's this weird place. It feels. Yeah. It still feels very haunted. Well, isn't it like a hotel or a restaurant now? It's a hotel. Yeah. It was a hotel, and then and now it's it's kind of it, it's open to the public. Yeah. But even when I go, like the the gates are still there, and the 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 structure is still the same, and yeah. Um, yeah. it feels very haunted still. Yeah, yeah. And this song is haunted. Yeah. I, I I really I I like this song a lot. It it, it kind of continues the theatricality of Drowned World, and um, she's writing. She's talking about. Um, uh, lots of of specific atrocities happening in the world, and um, 
and admitting to a kind of fatigue about it all. Yeah. I mean, this connects to me to her 1997 MTV visit mm-hmm. as well. This sort of is in that same vein of that, that we need to make a change and this isn't right. And um, I, I can see and feel all of this as if for the first time in a way that she's sort of reckoning with it in a yeah. larger way. Yeah. And I love that this is a song she wrote with William Orbit. It's it's one of the, it, it's just the two of them. And this feels like they're getting in their groove. Absolutely. I think this is a good time for us to um, just check in a little bit about and go a little deeper into William Orbit as oh, totally. writer, collaborator, artist, musician. Welcome to the bell jar, William Orbit. Yeah, and he has been orbiting around <laughs> Madonna for years and years, but they had never officially met until they started to work together, right? Yeah. Um, but he is a very um, prestigious and um, multi-faceted career prior to her and then after working on Ray of Light. Yeah. Well, William Orbit was born in England and uh, was part, um, he's classically trained and he has a real deep, uh, knowledge and interest in in classical music, and um, and I think that's really key to this collaboration because he brings these elements of high intellectualism. He's a very intellectual person, and while I think that the he, the music he makes is very um, groove oriented and sound um, based. There's kind of a uh, of a of a of a kind of play going on with him, and um and and I think that's his his classical training coming into the fore. It's interesting that you say that because Madonna actually says about him that he's not classically trained in the way that she's used to working with yeah. as a musician because he's a he is using so many um so much electronic you know stuff in the way he makes his music mm-hmm. through computers and all the different synths and yeah well um, but i mixers. think his training is yeah. like but, yeah. but the way he approaches music writing and stuff is, is yeah. very um yeah. um experimental totally and, and kind of thing totally. he was in a band uh, a, a very um a short-lived synth pop band in the 80s called torch song um and they had uh, some great songs called don't look uh, look now with singer of that band is Lori Mayer. And when the band uh, broke up in 1985, uh, 10 years later, they got back together, the two of them, and made another record as Torch Song. And they're all about to be reissued, actually. Oh, cool. All of the Torch Song uh, records. And then he also made music on his own. Yeah. Sort of his um, Strange Cargo series. Yeah. Which I think there's three of those, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to one last night. I've been immersing myself in his music, trying to get, you know, like just hear, you know, what is consistent through his music and mm, what is mm. like unique to the Madonna experience. And so much of it is really it's these certain kinds of grooves that he creates that are really like the foundation of Ray of Light. Yeah. Um, but I was listening to Strange Cargo two last night when I was going to bed and it was like a very um, melodic, repetitive, building, you know, like you'd hear a groove and it would build and build and get a little more wild and you know, get quieter. Really, really beautiful work.
Well, and 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 I really um I I first like I look at a song like All Saints as pure shores. That song from the Beach soundtrack that came out a little after Ray of Light. This was kind of in the aftermath of uh, his success with Ray of Light. He did all this soundtrack work and obviously famously on the next best thing that's coming. But um, uh, what what's so interesting is is I I hear that and I think. And I would include this across all of his work. There was never a vocalist that was right. as noteworthy and as important and as special totally. until Madonna showed up totally. in his work. Because even Lori Mayer, I think she's a lovely vocalist, but she, th- there's something missing. And the same with the the All Saints song. They're lovely singers, but there's no personality in those vocals. No, I mean, he would use vocals as another instrument, but Correct. not as like the, the guide. Yeah. yeah. They, they would show up as, as a, another kind of sound. But Madonna really centered that. But you even point to before that, that Beth Orton Yes. That he'd done work with Beth Orton that actually centered her voice above everything. Correct. As well, well so. and I also think that a lot of that a lot of that was because Beth Orton brought the songs. Beth right. Orton really brought the folk tracks to him and he kind of augmented those and built on her songs versus vice versa with Madonna, where he had the kind of he had the um the the soundscapes and stuff that that on the the dat that he sent them yeah, yeah. and and they kind of built it out of that stuff it was almost the reverse the and, dat the dat and um you know and Beth Orton obviously um she had a, a record called Trailer Park in 1997 and then another that kind of her two albums with William Orbit shoehorn kind of bookend Ray of Light period because Trailer Park came out in 1997 in Central Reservation which I find to be like working with Madonna. Yes, and talks about it all the time. <laughs> not not yeah, not shy or doesn't doesn't put that down as like, yeah. oh, I did this thing. Yeah. He find he really talks about it as a seminal experience for her uh, with her specifically about learning how to be a producer and he talks about Madonna as producer and that yeah. that's really her great skill. Mm-hmm. When you produce somebody like Madonna, what do you do? Do you say Give us that one again, Madge, because you're sort of singing slightly off-key this morning. I mean, just what is the relationship like? Well, if it has to be said. It has to be said. I mean, everybody needs to... She doesn't require a lot of takes, I have to say. Mm. Uh, usually three, and usually the first one is the one. Yeah. But there's always the odd word, and if somebody's got to say it... But she, she, she's uh, very quick to uh, admonish herself if she does it wrong as well. So it's yeah. hard to catch her out. She's but normally she's... the one who's most researched and most, most ready. So um, the very fact that she's such a professionalist and uh, perfectionist means that there's a not, a, not a lot of ticking off. Yeah. Um, my, me personally, I, I, I expect to get ticked off a lot. <laughs> By but the star or, or, or 
in the star. It's part of the producer's role. You take it, you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Mm. Um, I remember she, took, she, met, she referred to me as that rookie for the first half of Making Way of Light. And then after that, things changed dramatically, <laughs> of course, didn't they? Well, it was true. I'd learnt my craft. Um, I, I really learnt more about production. I mean, I would say she's a producer as well, and I learnt more, more about production um, going into that project than I ever thought I would. Well, and it's interesting because after, obviously, after the success of Ray of Light, it kind of transformed his profile. And, you know, the next year he did Blur's 13, which was their big anticipated follow-up record to their first big hit record, which everyone was kind of waiting for. There's a song on that called Tender that is the first song, and it's so different than anything they'd ever done, and it's all because William Orbit was producing them. And then he he, he works with everybody. He works with U2 and yeah. Chris Martin and Coldplay and Pink, Pink famously. A Britney Jean. Oh, he, he does that's Alien. That's one of my favorite songs. Why Alien. do you love that song so much for Britney? Um, well, he, he does the song Alien, on that that opens Britney Jean, which is her, yeah, um, like late two thousand ten. The teens, yeah, yeah. I love that song. Well, first of all, I think her vocals are gorgeous on that song, and it's she sort of gets rid of some of that um, nasally sounds, and it's a really clean vocal. It feels like a true song. Yeah, when the not alone, not alone, not alone. Oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great, it's a perfect mix of his sound and, and something we needed from Britney, which was sort of a little like behind the image. Behind the curtain. You know, yeah. like we, yeah. it felt like a grown up song, yeah. which I really loved. I don't know that the full album totally supported that ultimately, but it kind of pointed to something exciting. Well, and, and he also, they, he also famously did the U2 song Electric Storm, yeah, which, yeah. which also um, brings a spaciousness and a kind of, mo it modernized U2 sound in this really interesting yeah. way. Um, but you know, a lot of these were one-off collaborations on a larger project. And I think William Orbit really valued the, the time and the holistic journey he got to take with Madonna and Ray totally. of Light. And even music, and, and he, he obviously works with her again on music and then comes back together with her for MDNA. But those are not where she, where it's just the two of them right. working in tandem. Right. Yeah, he doesn't, they haven't had, had that experience again. Um, the other thing I want to point to with him, which is important to me at least, is um, his pieces in a modern style. Oh, 
from 2000, baby. Which he had been trying to make for a long time and couldn't get the rights to. And then finally he got the rights to do it. And the Barber's Adagio for Strings, which is the first track on yeah. is one of the most beautiful. Like I used to listen to that all the time. I never heard any Samuel Barber until William Orbit exposed me to And him. this is a great, another great example of, because I bought that album on CD because Madonna yes. had worked with William Orbit. Like it was a linear thing. And even after the next best thing, I was still like, I'm buying William Orbit's solo record. Totally. And it it, it was a door into it, it into another whole world because I had also similarly never heard anything like that record. It's a beautiful record. There is a dance remix of Adagio for Springs. To, strings. We should, we should yeah. play some of it and dance around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we should. I, the other last thing I just want to say about William Morbid, unless you have something else, is that... Um, I have a couple other things. He's a really funny personality. Like, yeah. he's kind of a mess. <laughs> um, he is obviously sloppy like if you see him like with his like wherever you see his studio it's like always always just like all this shit everywhere yeah. all this yeah. gack gack yeah. gack gack <laughs> just saying that word a bunch um God, like, <laughs> gack look at you and all your gack <laughs> All right. Anyway, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, and um, he um, is sort of like. I, I, it always surprises me that he actually enjoys being a little bit in the spotlight. Like he sort of is a. It looks like he's reluctant, but he's not really. He really likes it. I think that's his mode, though. His mode is to be like, "Oh shucks, I guess I'll step out into the light." Totally, oh, well. totally. Twist my arm. Well, and he has a great new, uh, a gorgeous new EP out called um, Starbeam that came out in December, and it's kind of um, a return to form after a bunch of years of just kind of collaborations and kind of being in the wilderness of of pop culture. And it's so beautiful. And it's just enough to make you want to be like, oh my God, I want just a little more. Yeah. I don't think that that sound has gotten old. It feels really fresh and clean and it's really fun. I, I really like it. And we'll, and we'll be, we'll be returning to William Moore a bit as we go through the next the few years. Know, decade or so yes. of time. Um, the other thing I wanted to just bring up is you really, cause I was racking my brain of like, okay, where's a song that, William Orbit totally transformed that was already written. And, you know, because honestly, there are a lot of unreleased demos and stuff from this era, but most of them are not William Orbit songs. Most of them are either Rick Knowles songs yeah. or they're um, Pat Leonard songs that were then rewritten. And I was thinking of like maybe Be Careful, Cuidado, but that's pretty, the, the song she wrote with Pat Leonard that ultimately Ricky Martin duets with Madonna on, um, but that's pretty much the same. But the one that really transformed was one we just talked about, which is Drowned World, Substitute for Love, yeah. which started as a song um, that Pat Leonard wrote with her called No Substitute for Love, which has totally different lyrics and um, almost kind of clarifies the meanings that we're, we've been kind of questioning. Yes, and has been a topic of much conversation on the Instagram. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, I, th first of all, Again, this is a conversation and we're going to miss things, but we love when people bring up things that we missed yes. and or forgot about because it means that you're listening to us and we're hearing you. It's a conversation. And it, it did kind of remind me of like, oh, 
once once William Orbit kind of came back to this song with Madonna after Pat Leonard, Pat Leonard had wrote, written it with Madonna with the contributions from David Collins, who apparently was ambivalent about the finished product. I know we heard that from somebody. We else heard that too. from somebody too. Um, they transform it, and if you look at the original lyrics, which are very much kind of almost the traditional Pat Leonard anthemic, like. I'm going to tell you what things are like into this kind of ethereal questioning kind of avant-garde mysterious lyrics that they become for drowned world substitute for love. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that we didn't mention that I think also William Orbit brought to it was drowned world, which is a, a reference to the J.G. Ballard novel from the late 60s called Drowned World. It's 192 pages. It's a quick read. He's a great writer, and it's all about climate change and the end of the world, written in 1968. Wow. Did you read it? Um, I have read it because another one of his novels was the basis of one of my favorite David Cronenberg movies, Crash. Oh, my God. I love that movie. Which... Holly uh, Hunter. Holly Hunter. James. It's James it's, Spader it's before James any, Spader. Yeah. Elias Cotes. Sexy movie. Sexy movie. Scary. Ros- and Rosanna Arquette. Uh, yes. All kinds of '90s independent movie making, bizarre ass movie. I love oh. it so much. It is a bizarre, it's a scary movie. It's a terrifying, violent film. And of course, when I saw it in the movie theater with my friend Walt Tyler in at the Drexel Movie Theater in Columbus, Ohio, I went to the library and got Crash the book. And then that led me to J.G. Oh. Ballard's Drowned World. Sheldon loves Crash as well. We were just talking about it. Oh so. my gosh. So I think he, I think someone like William Orbit kind of brought that to Madonna. Oh, you think? Is that, I think is, so. Okay. I think so because because the the song was called "No Substitute for Love," and then I, my envision is is that a lot of this record was done, and Madonna brought this song back, being like, you know, I really loved this. Yeah, I didn't. We didn't. It doesn't work in this. How can we make it better? Yeah. Well, this is the brilliance of William Orbit, and I think the thing that makes this album so exciting is that he takes this song. And it goes through his system and it comes out as something different that's deeper, that's more of the moment, that feels, has a totally different vocabulary. And bigger and about bigger yes. meetings and larger existential yes. things that aren't just about Madonna and her feelings yeah. about fame. They're about these apocalyptic yeah, that's, well, that's why the I think landscape. it's called Drowned World. Yeah, yeah. It's the landscape for the album, like we talked about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Yes. And I and I do think that 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 you know J.G. Ballard's novel really does kind of set a t- tonally. Obviously, this record is not about climate change and the end of the world, though it kinda is. It this is song in a way. certainly yeah. is. Yeah, and and this song that we, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean Swim is all about that actually.
we're starting to get a sense now of this landscape, the consistency of this landscape of this album, because it feels like it's in the same world as Drown World, Substitute mm-hmm. for Love. Yeah. We're starting to hear those same kind of blips and layers, mm-hmm. and also the clarity of her voice. Though her voice in this is a lot more um, echoey. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, which comes more into play as this album goes on, too. Like, well, and she also kind of comes in and out. I mean, I love the end of it where she's, like, humming in the backdrop, and it's and it's part of... It's not her singing the song. It's yeah. just part of the landscape that's yeah. kind of been um, accumulating over the song. It's it's a really brilliant production. Yeah. Um, and there's some beautiful flute on it, and yeah. th- there's just all these kind of elements to it that re-listening to it it's a really this is a song that I really like fell back in love with after all these years later kind of coming back and listening to it now with better sound with better earphones and and really being like oh god there's that flute that's snaking through it that I don't remember yeah there's so many ear there's so much ear candy on this whole album I mean I think that's one of the things that's such a pleasure about this and Mm. also you know the thing that she finds in her great producers because I think Shep Pettibone does the same thing where we just hear all this delicious you know production yeah um, and texture, texture. Another really heavy guitar-based song. Again, I would I would say in another version of this song, without all the electronic elements, this is an amazing rock and roll song. Yeah. Um, Did you feel um, the kind of um, beleaguered uh, fatalism that she talks about in the song when when you were? Did you did you identify with it? Um. Because I, I, I was, you know, I, I have to say, uh, part of my hesitation about going ape shit over this record is, you know, I was, I was into my, I was coming into my junior to senior year of college, and so by design, I was feeling very optimistic, very promising. Um, I was surrounded by my my tribe by this point. I had kind of gathered my tribe of friends who I'm still friends with now all these years later. Um, I have about eight or nine of them from that time. And we were all like, we're going to go conquer the world. And so a song like this, I was like, yeah, there are a lot of problems in the world, but there's always hope. And this song didn't feel that way to me. Yeah, I would agree. I I don't think I resonated with it as far as like how I how it was reflecting in my own life. Yeah. Um, but I felt like this was again like the statement of a of an older person, like you know, who had seen more than me. I feel like there was a lot of the beginnings of the cracks of like our institutions are really screwed up. Our yeah. uh, there's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of like hypocrisy. And to have Madonna kind of make an album and start to shine a light on that, that's what the song, I felt like that's what she was writing about. Looking back, there's not a lot of global songs about, you know, how the world is. Love makes the world go round is the last one I can think of where she's thinking about the world and that's, La 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 And this is, I can't carry the weight. I can't carry it anymore. Yeah. And yeah, I think we're at a very striking different place. And I think, and again, like this is that her consciousness was raised way before mine was. I think it took me a long time to sort of realize what the, how my relationship to the world. And here's somebody who travels globally, has experienced the world and seen a lot more, and has had two major events circling around her that have really impacted like the fragility of her life, you Mm. know, 
Gianni Versace, who she was much closer to, obviously, than Princess Diana. I don't know if she ever had any real connection to her, mm-hmm. but that they were all in the same orbit. Yeah. And then having a baby within that, I think, has really heightened her anxieties of like, well, what world are, is she going to inherit? Yeah. And we're only three years away from 9-11 you know, and so I, and that is sort of bubbling too. This, this, you know, all these countries who are disenfranchised or have been neglected or, you know. And we've willfully ignored that yes. disenfranchisement. Hey, what's your favorite part of this song? Um, I like when uh, let the water wash over you, wash yes. it all over you, swim to the when it starts to get a little funky yes, and it starts to, and you're kind of like, oh, okay, all right, Madonna. I and, love and, that part too. And the joys of these, this song and, and this record, uh, those are the moments where it's, it's like I get into it and it's like, oh, there it is. It's not as, as you got you to gotta really let it sink into you. And this was a song that took me so long to sink into. But once I was in it, it was like, oh my God. Yeah. Well, this is like, I, I love that part of the song too. And I love what, what, what happens right after that, where then it goes back to just the guitar and then her, and then she's like, I can't carry this. Yeah. I love that. I think the the melody or how they would say the top line mm, is mm. so good. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and her harmonies and everything too are so good. Um, but this is this great build of this album of like this really intense opening track, this track that's socially conscious and aware and raising us, but it's also getting us to move. Mm, and mm. it sets us so perfectly up for what's coming next. Oh, totally, totally. Um, Totally. She never does this song live. No. And I wish that she had. I wish she had done it on one of those promo. Because, mm. you know, she did a promo concert for this. Uh, yeah. And I wish she had done something like that. Well, like, like just one time she had sung this song. Because I think did, it would have been really yeah. cool. I mean, she did that promo on Valentine's Day, 1998 at the Roxy. I don't think it would have quite fit at the Roxy. It was, she just did Ray of Light, Sky Fits Heaven, and Ashtangi Ashanti. Did so, she sing Frozen too? I don't think so. Oh, okay. I think it was just those three. Yeah. I may be wrong. Um, so yeah, so she, the, so I don't know if um, singing, that would have been like her reading a bedtime story at a nightclub oh. at two in the morning. <laughs> I, lo- I would have loved it. She never did it live. It was never a single. It's, it's, it's one of those album tracks that you gotta, you gotta be into. But I do think that, um, it, 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 it kind of shows you the, after her personal, monologuing in drowned world it shows you the world that she sees yeah and yeah. i think and and actually what i think has been really proven the test of time is this song has felt more prescient as yeah. as we've gotten older as the world has gotten you know and i remember after 9-11 hearing listening to this record again and being like oh my god madonna predicted everything yeah yeah i in a way it's kind of a perfect track from Madame X. Yeah. She should have done it during Madame X. It would have been, I mean, I would have died. died. I would have died. I would have died. Oh. (laughs) Till next time. Bye. Bye.